Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here reunited once again, and it feels so good. And we are talking Josh Hart, his impact through his first two games with the Knicks. A little retrospective on the trade since Gavin and I haven't gotten to catch up on that yet. And what his first two games mean for the future of Hart on the Knicks, including if he could possibly take a starting spot of someone, ahem, R.J. Barrett or Quentin Grimes, next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit the subscribe button on YouTube and the notification bell and the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app and the auto download function. So you never miss an episode. We are here five days a week giving you premium Knicks content. Uh, but who are we? I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, as you can find at thestrick.land. Joined once again after what feels like two years uh, yeah. by Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. Gavin, we're reunited, and it feels so good. Uh, and uh, it, we're talking about Josh Hart, and I think that we haven't really gotten to catch up with one another since the trade went down it's been almost a week now which feels like an eternity he's already played two games like who's still talking about the trade at this point like he's 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 already played (laughs) yeah look look we're we're, we're putting his jersey up in msg we're we're not talking about the trades exactly the jersey's already in the rafters but i i mean a week later you know now that we've seen him play a couple games how do you feel about the deal that brought him to the knicks and uh, it, like what are what are just some of your overall thoughts about the first two games experience since he's gotten here? Yeah, so in, initially I was I was on board, but part of me wasn't in that. Like, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just looking at this draft and and how deep it is, right? And like the type of guys who can go in the range that the Knicks are going to pick, and like they're potentially like some really 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 good players. Like I look like some at someone like Grady Dick out of Kansas who profiles as like I don't know, like may, maybe eventually like a top. 15 to 20 shooter in the league with some plus athleticism, some good defense, some great size. I was like, Oh, the Knicks could use a wing like that. And, and, and that's just, that's literally one example, but I always come back to like, like what are the odds? Like, especially with how well the Knicks tend to draft in that range that you're going to get someone who brings some Josh Hart qualities, but maybe with a higher ceiling down the road. Um, and, and I really like Josh Hart as a player and I, and I thought he was going to help the Knicks right away. So I was, I was sort of of the opinion, like, all right, let's, let's enjoy this. And, and maybe reality is like a lot of people have, have noted was that like the Knicks were never going to bring in 
two rookies anyways, maybe even three rookies, depending on where the Wizards pick falls, right? Like that, that wasn't going to happen for a team that is so focused on winning now. And I, and I guess my pushback would have been like, should they be that focused on winning now? Um, apparently the answer is yes, because Josh Hart is absolutely incredible. Um, the shooting we've seen from him these first two games, I, I, I don't necessarily think is sustainable um josh noted on the pod we did the other night like he's he's gonna have like some one for six games some over five games from three but man everything else he does fits on this team so perfectly and alex as we're we're about to get into and i'll i'll leave to you like he he brings up some very real questions of like all right if he is shooting the ball well if he continues to play close to this kind of level like it's not just that he is coming in and, and being an addition maybe he'll eventually even replace someone in the next rotation yeah, I, you know, and I think just purely from the value perspective, like you mentioned, I think I'm curious what you think about this, because I brought this up on one of my retrospective podcasts about about it while you were out. And it was I, the more I thought about the price that the Knicks paid for Hart, the more I'm convinced that I think it was a pretty decent cost to pay for a player like Hart if he was a guy that they were for sure that they wanted to pursue this offseason anyway because the more i looked at it like he's making like 13 million dollars he's for sure going to opt out and get probably even if that's his number even if 13 million is what he ends up making uh on his next deal per season he could easily secure a three four year deal this coming offseason making that same amount and guarantee himself that amount uh over the, the rest of his prime so you know for sure he's going to be looking to get paid this summer had the Knicks not traded for him they're pretty well capped out at this point they have obviously Brunson RJ and Randall on deals that pay on average roughly about 25 million to them next year they have Fournier still on the books for like 19 million they have Mitch on the books for 15 16 million uh and then a bunch of rookie deals still on the books so no matter what even if the cap goes up some they're probably capped out going into next year which would mean that come you know draft and free agency time they would probably have to do something similar to what they did this past year anyway to create space to sign a heart regardless um and maybe even more uh oh because they also have hartenstein on the on the team too i mean they've got just they've got a lot of guaranteed contracts going in next year which is weird for them so i, I kind of looked at this as almost like a preemptive like well now you don't have to participate in the sign and trade or you know, just straight up trade some of your players with picks attached to accomplish something that you wanted to accomplish anyway, which is signing Josh Hart. Um, but as far as like the the overall impact that he's made so far, I'm with you. Like it, I, they got a starting caliber player. Period. I mean, the, the impact stats, even with him shooting way worse from three this year compared to his career average and compared to how he's been in recent years shooting like about 30% before he came to the Knicks. Like you still looked at all the impact stats and he was like top of the heap in Portland. He was like two points per 100 possessions better when uh, the Blazers had him on the floor versus when they have Damian Lillard on the floor, uh, which tells you a lot about just like how much energy he brings every game. So a, a week later, I feel really good about this deal. And like, I've kind of just started looking at it as like, well, the first round pick was kind of just the cost of doing business. Even though, as you said, the Knicks sort of traded a pick that will likely be in their money spot as far as drafting range. Like they're just really good at finding guys in like the, the twenties range, you know, like the 20 to 25 range in the draft. Um, 
but I think it was a worthy sacrifice because again, you know, even if you look at Quinn Grimes or Emmanuel quickly, like they're both really good for their draft slot, but Josh Hart is kind of exactly the type of player that you hope to get with a pick like that anyway. And they managed to get that player in his prime right now, ready to help them with a playoff push. So I feel pretty good. Yeah. And I I think this is something I've been thinking about this week. I I bet the Knicks could have gotten this trade done with the Dallas pick instead of their own pick. And, And my initial thought on that was like, Oh man, they should have, they should have tried to do that. And then I sat with it a little more. I'm like, all right, this is the Knicks essentially calling their own shot and saying, once we get Josh Hart, we're going to be better than Dallas the rest of the year. And, and Dallas um, one and two, I believe since the Kyrie trade, Oh, and two um, in games that Luca and Kyrie have played in together. Um, so not, not necessarily an indicator, right? Like those two guys are absurd talents. Like I, I think they're going to probably be pretty good down the stretch of the year. Um, and they've been really good with those two on the court together. It's been more so their bench that, has struggled so far since that trade, but there, there, there is a world given how great the Knicks have looked. And the fact that, I mean, even before this deal, like when Mitchell Robinson was on the court, the Knicks played like a top five or six team in the NBA. And I, I think there were maybe elements of that that could have been a little bit of a mirage, but as we're about to get into uh, getting Josh Hart, maybe ensures Alex that that is, is not the case. And, and maybe um, once this team is, is at full strength, um, they could be, um, if, if not a true championship contender, um, just maybe just a, a, a tier below that. And, um, in that sense, it reminds me a little bit of the Derek Rose trade from two years ago, which again, like, I mean, it, it was, it, and we, we could talk about how this will translate to the playoffs because obviously with Rose, not, it wasn't that Rose didn't translate to the playoffs. It was that the rest of the team didn't really translate to the playoffs, but after they got him, they played like a top six or seven team in, in the league. And it, it feels like they're in position to go on a similar run. Yeah, and the Rose trade is an interesting comparison point, too. I think from a pure impact perspective, it it might bear out the same. I think the cost, obviously, is a little higher. Like, this yeah. was sort of – this deal was almost unprecedented, like, for any Knicks front office in almost 10 years. Like, they have not traded their own first-round pick in a deal. Again, I still haven't fact-checked myself on this, but I'm fairly certain it's true. I don't think they've traded a first-round pick of their own in, in any deal – since Phil Jackson was with the team yeah. and they made that move with heart. So this is a little higher stakes, but I think I I'm with you. It might have the same level of impact as far as just injecting this team with like, like doing like a, a pulp fiction style, just like adrenaline shot right to the chest. Like they were already doing pretty good, but now it seems like they're, I mean, they're super energized. Brunson is super hyped to be playing with like one of his best friends uh, and Randall seems to be enjoying it. it. You know, it's like the guy is just so happy on the court and just seems to enjoy being a hustle player so much that it seems like it's it's pretty infectious so far. Uh, so I, I I'm totally with you. And we're gonna take a look at some of the some of the fun lineups that have been going on with that so far, including one that has just an absolutely obscene uh, plus minus so far. But Gavin, do you want to quickly let everybody know where they could maybe bet some uh, some over unders on Josh Hart going forward? Yeah, Alex, there's only there's only one place to go do, and that is of course our friends at Prize Picks. Uh, tonight, I am going to take Jalen Brunson uh, to continue his run over 26 and a half points. I am going to take uh, Emmanuel quickly. He's been passing the ball really well of late, over three and a half assists. And, and let, let's keep it rolling with Josh Hart. I'm taking Josh Hart over one and a half steals tonight. So how, how does prize picks work? You pick two to six players, and if they go score more or less than their prize picks projection, 
You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry, no competing against other people, just you versus the projections available. PrizePix offers projections on any sport you could watch. That includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code Locked On to sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, Alex, we are back. Let, let's let's continue this uh, this conversation on Josh Hart um, and and particularly um, the comparison to the Derrick Rose trade because I, I I think just in terms of on court impact, what Rose did was open up new avenues of play for the Knicks. Right? It, it wasn't it, it wasn't even like he made them better at what they were doing. It was like, oh, okay, this is like a different sport now and. I don't know if Hart quite captures that in the same way because I, I think Rose in some ways was almost the template for what the Knicks have in Jalen Brunson. And it was essentially saying like, all right, this is what this team can be like with a steady hand running the point that has the ability to beat his man one-on-one uh, most times down is going to draw help is going to get defenses in rotation um, and, and can hit an open three and can occasionally hit a really difficult pull-up three. Right. And, and Rose was, was sort of like, all right, like this, this is a whole new world for you guys. And in the year after Rose didn't really play things, not so coincidentally fell apart for the Knicks. And then the Knicks get a, a obviously like you wouldn't really compare Brunson to prime Rose, but I would say Brunson is sort of a better version of like the early thirties Rose that the Knicks got. Um, and, and now we're kind of seeing like the full opening of that. Josh Hart is a little different in the sense that he he's sort of more in the template of, of what the Knicks already have, right? Like he, he brings a lot of the same stuff as a Quentin Grimes, but it in some ways does iterations of it at a higher level, right? Like maybe not the pure man-to-man defender that Grimes is, certainly not the pure shooter that Grimes is, maybe not even the same athlete attacking the rim that Grimes is, but what he brings as a rebounder. And I mean, like, like everyone, if, if you haven't already, go to Benji Ritholtz's Twitter. He's, he is a good video of this. Just the way he tracks rebounds. And and it, honestly, there's there's no, like, other way to compare it to, like, it, it feels like, like when I hold, like, a Frisbee out for my dog and his, like, pupils, like, start taking up, like, the entirety of his eye and, and he cannot look at anything else like that is Josh Hart with the rebound like he gets so locked in tracks it perfectly and then has the physicality to go and get it and, and then can actually make a play off of it like like I'll always go back to or well, not always but at least for this week I'll go back to the the shot he hit over I think it was Dayron Sharp after he got the rebound and then like dribbled to the left side and like hit a shot with his right hand going the opposite direction like the dude is just like a hooper's hooper. Like there's almost no other way to frame it. And and even when the shooting falls off, like does so many little intangible things for the Knicks um, that I and I hate to say it, but like just stand out in stark contrast to someone like RJ Barrett, Alex, who who does none of those things right now. Yeah, I think one thing if you want to talk about unlocking something different in the Knicks that they had earlier in the season and then has sort of gone dormant as they've settled back into like. They definitely had some great ideas starting the year. And then Tibbs has slowly but surely just kind of let things turn back into what he always wants them to turn back into eventually, which is getting a little more ISO heavy, being a half court offense, 
not running in transition as much. And I mean, I was there for the game the other day. And like the, the thing that stood out to me the most about when Hart's on the court is the transition. I mean, he's just, he doesn't stop. You know, there was one play in particular and I don't remember at all who he was driving on or whatever, or even what quarter it was in. I just remember this play sticking out of my head, but Hart had the ball. He was bringing it down after I think a steal uh, or perhaps a rebound and was bringing it down, got to about the three point line. And and around this time, you could even see the rest of the Knicks starting to get set up in what they were going to run or whatever. And Hart just kind of surveyed and looked and was like, wait, nobody's really guarding the rim. Why would we not take advantage of this? And just kind of kept his dribble going and then just went in and got an easy layup. And it was like one of the highlights of the game to me because I'm like, these are the easy opportunities that the Knicks kind of like cheat themselves out of a lot uh, because they just are so dead set on like, okay, well, we got the rebound time to like trot down the floor and like find our spots and blah, blah, blah. Whereas earlier in the year, they were pushing it so much in transition, you know, and, and you wonder is some of that dead legs a little bit at this point. I don't think so because all these guys are playing big minutes and they're staying in good shape and everything else. Like, I think they could selectively choose to run in transition more, but with Hart, you don't really have to be selective about it because he's just going to run in transition like every time he touches the ball or every time the ball is being moved. Uh, sort of like an Obi Toppin or sort of like an Emmanuel Quickly when they get to do what they want to do, which I think is part of what's going to make that bench unit a lot more potent if Hart remains in the bench unit. But he also can give that to the starting unit too because I think we've seen – through different points this year, like a Julius Randle is sort of impressionable in a way uh, of being, you know, influenced by the energy of others. So if Hart starts running, Julius will sprint the entire length of the floor and go for an easy dunk. If Hart keeps his head up and, and looks for him and it'll be like an Obi Toppin style play. Uh, so we're already seeing that kind of bear out. I, I wrote down in our pre-show notes, like what's been the best look so far. And I had said uh, Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel quickly, Josh Hart, Julius Randle and a center, probably Isaiah Hartenstein uh, was probably my favorite. Look, you went and pulled the, the cleaning the glass uh, uh, plus minus number. And they're at like an absurd plus 65 net rating with Uh that, with that unit, not too shabby, right? That's only a, (laughs) whatever, one, 125 to what 70 blowout or something or to 60 blowout. No big deal. Um, But yeah, I mean, that kind of underscores it's a small sample size, obviously, but I I really think that he's, he can bring that to the starting lineup. He can bring that to the bench unit. Most importantly, he is bringing that to the closing unit because especially that game the other day, he was still dynamite up until the final second that he got pulled off the floor. And I just feel like that's going to be the Josh Hart experience. And that's sort of the new level that he can bring to the Knicks is just this, unrelenting like bulldog mentality that he seems to have. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's going to, he allows them to like double down on, on their strength on the offensive glass while shoring up their strength on the defensive glass. And again, as we're going to get into it, I think when, when Mitchell Robinson is back, that, that is only going to be exacerbated, but it it does bring up um, some rotation questions for the New York Knicks. and, And, and particularly like the contrast between Hart and and RJ and even even Hart and Grimes, right? And I and I think initially, like just because it's it's kind of it's kind of been unthinkable, and, and maybe still is to some extent that RJ could come off the bench and you get into some 
some very icky questions about like, all right, like if the Knicks are going to move on from RJ, like, do you want to take his value by bringing him off the bench or playing him last minute? Because all of a sudden RJ goes from a guy who right now, I think even as poor as he's playing Alex, like, and, and, and to be clear, like, I think the more likely avenue for trading him just because of his contract now will be in like an eventual star trade. But if the Knicks just wanted to dump him for picks, like I think just because of his pedigree and his production as a scorer, like he's still someone who can probably get you two first round picks, maybe only one of them unprotected. I don't know. Like it's, it's a fascinating question. And one we've asked before in this podcast and kind of struggled to answer about what RJ's value is um, around the NBA. And it, it's certainly not an upward trajectory. It's on a downward trajectory right now. But even if you want to move him, like you, one could argue, like no matter what it does for this season, like you better keep playing him 30 minutes a game, no matter what, because if, if all of a sudden he's coming off the bench and playing 23 minutes a game, even if that is the, best thing for the Knicks, which we can ex- get into in a sec, might be given what he's doing right now. Um, all of a sudden, teams are like, why are we giving up two first-round picks for someone who doesn't play over 20 minutes for a team that isn't a championship contender? And you would have to say, yeah, fair point. Uh, we can't we can't really argue that. Um, so Grimes, all, all that being said, was the name that I think most people, including myself, like bandied about it as the player who would potentially go to the bench um, and place a heart. Personally, even if Grimes shooting is, is only theoretical right now, I mean, we're at, we're at the last 20 games of him shooting just 32% from three. I, I think because the threat he presents the um, and just how much respect he still commands from defenses on closeouts, maybe a little bit less than he did earlier in the year, but teams still know that he's a shooter. Um, his ability to be closeouts, his ability to keep the ball moving, and, and which is what he does as a one-on-one defender. I, I think it's pretty essential. He continues to start, but I, I'm curious for your take on that, Alex, like whether like, Hart, I mean, who right now is playing a ton of minutes regardless. And as, as Tibbs always says, it's more important who finishes than who starts. Um, but do you see a world if, if Josh Hart keeps this up, like come playoff time, like whether it's game one or if it's like game two or three of a series as, as, as a changeup, um, Hart could potentially be the next starter. Yeah, I, uh, I have some thoughts on that, which I will get to in just a moment. But I do have to quickly remind everybody that today's show is brought to you by built bar and if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories you gotta try a built bar and i'm still holding true we're a month and a half in i'm still holding true on my new year's resolution and trying to eat better and work out more and i've lost a few pounds hopefully you have too if that's something that you're that you're trying to accomplish in your life right now but built bars can help with that if you so choose and you don't have to hate yourself while you're eating them which is the best part of any protein bar is if you cannot hate yourself while eating it. And what makes Built Bar so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and my personal favorite, coconut almond. Tastes just like an almond joy. I'm really not sure how Built does it, but they're like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They have only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein to help you recover from a workout. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with the hit flavors brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later, and you can, of course, always still hit up Built.com. All right, we're back to continue talking Josh Hart here. And Gavin, yeah, that's an interesting question that you posed right before we hit break. I think the way that I lean right now, if I were to if I were to say who should Josh Hart slot in for in the starting lineup, 
I think I would go RJ Barrett. And I think there is a world where you can make that move and yet it still reflects well on RJ. Um, I think one benching him would be, uh, well, okay. It would be risky in its own way. It would be sort of a, uh, like a, a big risk or a big risk, big reward situation, right? Because if you put RJ on the bench, one of two things is going to happen. Either he's going to get really mad and take it out passive aggressively. Uh, like I, like as maybe like Julius Randall did last year in some ways, you know, like just kind of mail it in on the court, not look happy, perhaps start, you know, being demonstrative one way or another with his body language and stuff like that. Or he will take it personally and play amazing and be like your anchor for the bench unit, which you and I have talked about previously of being like a potential solution to the like RJ quote unquote problem where you can have him, you know, lead the bench unit, which he's proven to be so good at doing uh, in stints this year and last year and, and other times where like he was sort of. I, I talked about this the other day, but there used there was another world, you know, two years ago where Julius Randle used to sub out with, you know, like six minutes left in the first quarter. And RJ would like quarterback that second unit all the way through the end of the first. And then sometimes early into the second quarter before getting his rest and then coming back later in the, the second quarter. But like RJ's proven to to work really well with like quickly and uh, Obi and, and all of his sort of younger contemporaries on the team with the way that they play and when he gets to sort of uh, create his own shot more and, and be sort of the offensive option rather than being the third guy being like the number one, or, you know, if maybe if quickly clicking like the number two guy, it works a lot better for him. So I, I just think that I could see that working better while Grimes offers, I think the better skill set of like, okay, if you're adding a Josh Harden to that lineup, then one of Josh Hart or Quentin Grimes can be your, your number three option in that starting lineup any given night, um, depending on how, you know, things are going for them. And then down the stretch, maybe if RJ gets cooking with the bench unit, I mean, Tibbs loves to say like, it doesn't matter who starts, it's who finishes that did sort of, I mean, if you want, if we want to take this almost full circle and go back to the Derrick Rose thing, that sort of bore out in that first half season with Derrick Rose, where Rose would not start. Alfred Payton would get the start. Uh, so in this case, maybe, I mean, Quentin Grimes is a much better player, but in in terms of like pacing of lineups, maybe Grimes is more your guy that starts and gets like 20 minutes or something. But if RJ starts proving himself with the bench, then maybe your, your closing lineup can start being, you know, Brunson, RJ, Hart, uh, Randall, and hopefully Mitchell Robinson. Or, I mean, Emmanuel Quickly, I think, has proven himself. We just mentioned that absurd lineup that has quickly and heart as the two and three that could potentially be your closing lineup. I mean, there's a lot of different machinations you can do here, but I think that would give RJ a good opportunity to prove himself and maybe not lose too much in the minutes department. If Tibbs is able to stagger those minutes properly, which again is always a big if in and of itself, but I'm curious what you think as far as heart versus RJ or sorry, uh, Grimes versus RJ in that respect. Yeah, I think I think the tough part for me is like if you just if you just look at the numbers and you, you look at the full season stats for for RJ, I mean, the, the case would be not that you should start hard over him. It, it should be that like RJ should be out of the rotation and maybe some people hear that and like that sounds like 
insane but i mean we can we can go over it right now the guy has just been he's been one of the most negative players for the knicks this year i'm um, outside of jericho sims um he has the the worst uh net rating of of any uh, regular rotation player this season for the knicks and that that is over obviously an incredibly large amount of minutes he's played 1795 minutes this year that is the third most on the team behind randall and behind brunson and in that time the knicks have a minus 10.1 net rating um, th- th- this stat really stood out to me. So the Knicks play like essentially the worst or maybe the second worst defense in basketball when RJ Barrett is on the court. They play like the best defense in basketball when Emmanuel quickly is on the court. That does not take into account like only the minutes where they're separate. That includes the minutes where they're together. So quickly is so good that he could pull RJ up to that number. And RJ is so bad that he could pull quickly down to that number. Um, so it, it, it's all to say that RJ has been an abject disaster on defense this year. And then you could flip it and say, all right, well, he makes up for it with his offense, right? Wrong. He does not. The Knicks are 0.7 points, um, worse per 100 possessions on offense as well when RJ's on the court versus when he's off, which obviously is not as drastic as what he does defensively, but he does some really good stuff offensively. But that tells you, at least in the greater context of this Knicks team, what he does as a scorer is canceled out by his overall inefficiency and, and at times his his kind of like blindness and like in terms of peripheral vision to like anyone else on the court and just kind of only being able to lock in on himself and on the rim. And, and, and all that isn't to say like we should give up on RJ Barrett as a player, as we, we always say like the guy is still only 22. There is an incredible talent in there. I mean, there's a reason two weeks ago we did a whole like RJ's figured it out pot. Everyone can screw off. Like he was playing really, really well, but he is once again, and this is, this is sort of the story of his whole career. Like, Stretches where he looks like an all-star and stretches where you're like, yeah, if he just did this over the course of a full season, he would make the all-star team. And then stretches where like he plays terribly and then you look a little deeper and, and all the underlying numbers scream that this is like a guy who should be a bench player right now. Like, I, I think that that's where I come down because the scoring talent is, is such that like he should still be in an NBA rotation. But at least in the context of this Knicks, they are not better when he's on the court. And, and there's a world where like Hart should just be playing the minutes that RJ um, was playing before this trade. And RJ should essentially be playing the minutes that Deuce was playing. And I, I again, I don't think that's going to happen because of who RJ Barrett is and what he's getting paid. But, but the, it, it's moments like these where you like kind of look back at like the Donovan Mitchell trade and you say like, all right, like even if they had to give up like a ton of first round picks, like even if like quickly was, was ultimately including that deal. Like, like I look at like what the original deal that was mentioned of like RJ, OB and Mitch. And like with what RJ is doing right now, like obviously Mitch would be the bigger loss there, but I'm like, like, would the Knicks not be better today with like, like if you take those three guys away and they still had, I, I don't know if they would have had the pick capital, but with the extra picks they got, still could have gotten Josh Harden added to this team. Like, I, I think th- this team might be a title contender if you had, if you somehow kept quickly and had Brunson quickly, Hart, Grimes, Randall, like whoever the center is. So um, this isn't to like go back and like lament missed opportunities of the past. It's just kind of to say like RJ is, is not, is not good right now. And I think kind of anything's on the table with him, even if I don't think the Knicks will get that drastic in their solution. Yeah. I think another thing that the Knicks, like maybe like Johnny Bryant, who seems to be probably the the most respected like player developer on the team. I mean, obviously there was the quote from Randall uh, right after he got all-star about how Johnny Bryant like came out and, and spoke to him during last off season, like specifically made a trip out to see him and said like, would you want to be your teammate right now? <laughs> you know, would you want to have played with yourself last year? Like, like on the court, like, and Randall being, you know, taking the the introspection and being like, no, 
I don't think so. I should fix how I'm playing. Maybe Johnny Bryant's the guy that goes up to RJ Barrett and says, Hey, look at that guy that we just traded for and look at his physical profile. He's like a less tall, you know, less physically gifted version of you. And yet look at all the things that he does on the court. You could do all those things. Like you've proven to be a really good rebounder. If you really try at it, you've proven to be, you know, a good defender. If you try at it, you've proven to be good in transition. If you try at it, you know, and it's like focusing on those things. And stop focusing. I know I love how this is turning into like our like fix RJ Barrett pod after we started off talking about Josh Hart, but it sort of comes full circle because in many ways, like RJ is like a Josh Hart with more natural talent, which is why one of them got taken, you know, in the top three of the NBA draft. And as a 19 year old, and the other one played, you know, a full career at Villanova and got taken on the fringe of the first round. Yeah, 30th. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I, I think that. RJ needs some of that instilled in him to sort of rescue him from this rut that he's in. Um, whether he's going to take that advice or not is going to be very key for the Knicks. I do still think if we're just talking value perspective, I think he'll still retain some value. But if, you know, obviously if he hits the bench this year and doesn't play well, then, then yeah, it's, it's going to be a hard sell to try to use RJ as like the, centerpiece of some star trade or something because it's going to be the same effect as what we've talked about with like this past summer for example if you want to talk about the Mitchell trade like where some of the guys on the Knicks like a quick leader has happened you know other teams like the Cavs or like the Jazz were probably reasonably being like well why should I want that guy you barely played him last year and your team wasn't even good you know so like what's the issue (laughs) and you could say all you want like no no he's still good I promise look at the tape but it's like yeah but you didn't play him. So obviously something's going on here. Um, so I get, I guess we'll see how, how that all goes in the end with RJ, but it'll be something to watch. I mean, I, I think that, so like my buddy, uh, uh, Jeff Rasmussen from Strickland wrote this in one of his recaps the other day that like the, the heart trade is great and they added a great player, but for the Knicks for the rest of this year, it's in many ways going to create more questions than answers. Because you took a team that you you traded all non-rotation guys for a new rotation guy and a guy that definitely deserves to play like 25 to 30 minutes minimum because of the the pure impact that he has on a game, uh, regardless of if he's scoring the ball or not. And that's going to create some hard, some hard scenarios for some of the guys that we really know and love on this team, like a quickly, like a RJ, like a Grimes and, RIP Deuce, who like now is just out of the the uh, rotation altogether. But it uh it's it's gonna make the rest of the season kind of interesting in its own way. Uh just to see how the cream rises to the top here for the next time of the year. Yeah, and I think um I mean once Mitchell Robinson comes back, that that ceiling question becomes even more present, right? Um that that's when things get interesting. Because that, as I said earlier in the pod, they played like a top five might even be selling it short. They were, they were something like second in offense and like fourth in defense for like the stretch of that winning streak. And sure. You could say like, that's, that's kind of like uh, cherry picking like my sample size, but that was also when Quinn Grimes got, came back and the, this rotation kind of became complete and RJ, like at least to a little extent bound to stride. Now you have Josh Hart, who all of a sudden seems like, I don't know, like, I mean, like the fourth most important player on this team behind Randall Brunson and quickly out of guys that are currently playing. Like you could even argue him over quickly these last two games. Like it, it is really, really exciting. And it, it kind of brings up the question. Like, 
I, I don't think this is a team that could win three series in a row against teams like the Sixers, Celtics, Bucks, um, to a lesser extent, the Cavs and the Heat. But could they win one? I wouldn't give them great odds at it. But previously, if they were playing the Celtics or the Bucks, I would have put it at like 5%, maybe even less than that, that they could have won the series. Now I look at it more like a puncher's chance, more like 15%. Like, all right, if like if they get crazy shooting and like the other team has an injury, like who knows what could happen? Like, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not predicting a run to the finals, but this feels like a team that on any given night, Alex, is just going to be a real pain in the butt to go against. Yeah, and that's that Josh Hart effect. Uh, so we'll get to see lots more of it. Very excited for more. Happy that we got to finally catch up, Gavin, and have a <laughs> talk about the Josh Hart trade finally. Uh, but we'll have more podcasts for you guys this week and going forward to continue chronicling whatever may happen for the Knicks and Josh Hart and RJ Barrett and all the rest. But until next time, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you all soon. Peace out.